And hello, everyone. We're back with another edition of Lakers Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Magic Man, a.k.a. Sean Grace. And we have a very special guest in with us today. It's Mr. Chris Hine from the Minneapolis Star Tribune. Chris, thank you for joining us today. No problem. Thanks for having me, Sean. No problem. Just to give a little intro for our audience, Chris, you have a very uh, decorated academic um, past, a graduate of Notre Dame, covered the Chicago Blackhawks for the Tribune when they were really good. And <laughs> and now you're uh, covering the uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves after, uh, after a great uh, start to your career, Chris. Thank you again for coming on the show. No, yeah, no, thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, Absolutely. So the last time we saw the Minnesota Timberwolves, they were walking off the floor uh, after a a tough game five loss to the uh, eventual champion Denver Nuggets. And uh, just as a as a preamble, uh, Bruce Brown, uh, upon reflection of that championship, Chris said that the Minnesota Timberwolves were the toughest team they faced in the playoffs. Uh, ultimately, Chris, what do you think happened with the team that, that caused them to unravel? And it looked like they, they were kind of coming apart at the seams with uh, Rudy and Kyle uh, almost getting into fisticuffs on the bench. And then obviously Jordan uh, took his uh, anger out on a brick wall. So how do you feel that the season uh, unraveled, Chris? Well, you know, it was a it was a very up and down season to say the least a lot of peaks uh more valleys than peaks i think as you as you reference some of the stuff that happened late in the season um like with rudy and kyle which affected their playing game against the lakers because rudy gobert was suspended uh for that game as a result of what happened on the last day of the regular season so i think last year was it was a very incomplete season for the timberwolves they you know i don't think you ever really saw what they could do with Carl and Rudy on the floor at the same time. You know, they had a small window in March um, where everybody was healthy. Mike Conley was there. And I feel like that's when they started hitting a little bit of their stride. They had this one West coast road trip where they played really well, but then at the end of it, uh, Nas Reed got hurt uh, in a game against Phoenix and he, he fractured his wrist and he was out for the rest of the season. And then, as you said, on the last day of the regular season, not only does the fight happen, but probably more significantly for their uh, playoff series against Denver was that Jaden McDaniels punched a wall, their best defender, and a guy whose offensive game had kept growing throughout the course of the season. He punches a wall, breaks his hand, and now he's out for the remainder of the season. So they went into that Denver series without two of their key guys, their best defender, a and then a guy Nas Reed who I don't think Denver I think Denver would have had a lot of issues with Nas Reed coming off the bench in those non-Jokic minutes in that series so they didn't have him and they came in shorthanded Anthony Edwards played a great playoff series I think that was the one thing that was very encouraging for the Timberwolves fan base from that series was that Anthony Edwards played phenomenal basketball like he looks ready for the moment he he's a the playoffs aren't too big for him. So I think that was very encouraging for them. Um, and he said he learned how to play with Carl and Rudy on the floor, which was a problem for, for them at various points during the season. So a lot of mixed, a lot of mixed things happened with the Minnesota Timberwolves last year. And this is a very pivotal year. I feel like for, for their franchise. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I think everyone was, uh, I, and by the way, your synopsis about the Denver series, Chris, bang on. I thought that whomever had to check Nas, whether it was going to be Jeff yeah. Green or uh, Zeke Naji, was he would have ate them up for breakfast. I, I agree. <laughs> I agree with you there. I think Minnesota definitely would have won the minutes with Jokic off the floor. Now, when we talk about Reed and uh, McDaniels, they, they re-signed Nas Reed. It seemed like Nas really likes the um, the culture and the coaching staff, and um, he was more than willing to sign the deal. And obviously, Minnesota loves him as well. What about McDaniel's at this point, Chris? Um, he hasn't signed his extension yet, right. and we normally know. I mean, unless you're an all star, these extensions come down to you know the 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 midnight hour, right? So yeah. Do you anticipate eventually Jaden signing a deal with Minnesota? Because it, it, it seems like a fait accompli. He's one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. Um, I think he's going to make an all-NBA defensive team this year if he stays healthy. I mean, it's just a given way he gets after it. Do, do you eventually just see them coming to terms? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, Tim Connolly has a track record of making sure uh, that – the guys that he, you know, prioritizes and sees as franchise cornerstones get taken care of. Um, you can see that in Denver with Jamal Murray. You can see that with, with Michael Porter Jr. Like he makes sure that if a guy is in the franchise's future plans, which Jaden McDaniels very much is here in Minnesota, he's going to get his money. It's just a matter of when, how much it's going to be. And, you know, always one thing to remember for the fan base is, even if they don't agree to a deal and this goes into next summer, he's a restricted free agent. He's not an unrestricted free agent. So the Wolves can match any offer that comes their way. Um, so I would, I expect Jaden McDaniels to be a Minnesota Timberwolf for, for a long time here. Um, I think it's just a matter of figuring out when and, and how much money that's going to be. It's, it's always tricky when it's not a max deal. Like, Anthony Edwards, you know, signs his max deal, you know, two days, whatever it was after free agency opens, right? That's easy. It's like, okay, here's your maximum contract offer. And it's just kind of little things here and there that you have to work out. Uh, with McDaniels, it's more about threading that needle, uh, trying to figure out probably somewhere in the, you know, mid-ish, low to mid-20 million a year. I'm, I, I, that's just me kind of spitballing and, and thinking about what he might be worth. Um, I think that that's probably where you end up somewhere and it's just a matter of when. All right. Now, Chris, when we, we talk about the, uh, the eyeball test, um, Tim Connolly has said that he's on record. Mm -hmm. They think they figured out why, uh, it, it didn't work initially with, uh, Rudy Carl and, uh, Anthony. And uh, I'm wondering, given your background, Chris, in, in analytics as well, you have uh, you can kind of be very transformational here because you've seen it with your eyes and you see it on on paper. What do you think went wrong? Well, first of all, Carl didn't really play that much. Um, that serious was, that calf was, injury. That was yeah, serious calf injury. You know, uh, about a month or so into the season, and he's out until. You know, if I'm getting my my timeline correct here, mid March. So from about mid mid November to to mid March, Carl misses 50 games or whatever it is. So right away, 
you know, you're, you're, you're losing such significant time to, for them to develop chemistry, for them to gel. They never really had a training camp last year either. Rudy had to take care of his body after international play, and Carl had an illness at the start of training camp last year. So they didn't even have training camp to, to get to know each other. So they were trying to figure it out on the fly. Carl gets hurt. Like I said, late, late in the season, they, they seem to start figuring it out a little bit. And Ant started to figure out how to play with them the, and kind of figuring out how he was going to be able to navigate a lane that had Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns potentially clogging it. You know, it's not the easiest thing for him to navigate. Um, but he said he figured it out late in the season uh, when I asked him that after after the fact. So training camp is going to be important for them just trying to figure out this this chemistry but there is a now for this franchise as well and can carl rudy and ant all coexist because i don't think you could just say it's carl and rudy it's carl rudy and ant um because what the big guys do affects what anthony edwards does and that's that's the key question coming in the training camp that's what nobody seems to really know is going to happen once the, the ball tips off October 25th or whatever it is. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, Chris, uh, Ant got the bag this summer, and mm-hmm. uh, he also impressed a lot of people, including myself, with uh, his FIBA play. Um, Steve Kerr referred to him as the man on the team. And uh, throughout most of the tournament, he did play like it. He did play with uh, purposefully. Just going off of uh, Anthony Edwards and his play in uh, the FIBA tournament, Chris. Yep. You know, he got he got the contract, so now he's a wolf for at least six more years. He looked like he fit as the man with Team USA. We saw what happened last year, Chris, with some of the off-season shenanigans. How have you seen Ant's growth? from a personal perspective rather than as an athlete this past year? You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, obviously he had the, he had the public misstep uh, last year with the homophobic Instagram video. You know, I think um, he's, he's tried to learn from that. I think he, he has um, just being around him every day and, and somebody who's, you know, openly gay myself. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a growth process for him. I think he's growing in a lot of facets as a person and as a teammate as well. He's always been somebody who I think the franchise really likes his attitude when it comes to helping out his teammates and, and pumping up uh, pumping up his teammates on the bench, whether he's in the game, whether he's not in the game, whether he's in practice. You know, I think they, they really view him as a great teammate, and he has kind of intangible leadership qualities as well so i think he kind of has those kind of qualities about him that is like you look at this guy and you're like this is the future of the franchise and that's definitely something that that i think when you're around the team every day when you cover the team every day you could see that his attitude is infectious um he's always got a smile on his face um, he's, like I said, he's always hyping up his teammates, no matter what, and you don't always see that out of young guys in the NBA. You know, a lot of guys, a lot of young guys, you know, they might get a little jealous of a teammate's success or they, you know, if they're giving up points to, you know, help out a teammate or, or, you know, they're getting assists instead of points, like, you know, that they watch out for that stuff. You know, guys, guys are very aware of, of what their stats look like at the end of the day. 
uh, in the NBA. But I, I think Ant does care about that stuff, obviously. But I think he also very much cares about winning, very much cares about how his teammates are doing and how that affects everything. And I think he's gotten that at a younger age than most stars in the NBA have. Like I, I, I remember in the, in the playoff series against, against Denver, I think it was, I think it was after game three. So they're, they're down three Oh in that series um, after that game. And he just kind of sat at his locker, stared at the floor, stared blankly ahead into his locker stall. Didn't really want to talk to the media, but it just, you know, it, he was just really ticked off, you know, that they were in a three to nothing hole. And, you know, some guys might just brush it off and say, well, you know, it was a nice season. You know, we got to the playoffs, you know, try again next year. Right? He took it really hard, took it really hard. Um, and I think when you see that in the in somebody who's 21, 22 years old, it hurts in the moment. But I think when you're a franchise looking 10 years down the road, it's like this guy gets it. This guy knows what it's like to be in the NBA or like what it's like to be a leader. And I think he's ascending in that direction. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. The better that these Marvel films do, the higher the standards are going to be for not just other films in general, but other Marvel films also. I think it's really hard to end a show with this many fans in a satisfying way. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Playing worldwide on radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. All champions have scars. They got the mm-hmm. scars to show what it took mm-hmm. to get there. And I think you're right. It's just Anthony is electric on the court. Uh, I'm, I know that uh, pretty much every NBA fan um, just has the Wolves as a, as a league pass team, just, strict, <laughs> just strictly for Anthony's just electricity. Now, when we look at the, the cap situation the Wolves have, Chris, um, so they've invested heavily in Rudy, obviously, yep. with the trade. They've invested heavily in Ant. And Carl has a hefty contract as well. When you look at the at the next couple years with the, the prohibitive penalties coming in with the CBA, how do you feel that Tim Connolly and the and the Wolves scouting department can navigate around these these trials, Chris? Because a lot of teams are gonna have to deal with this sooner yeah. rather than later. Yeah, and that, that's going to come due for them next summer, um, especially when you factor in whatever money Jaden McDaniels is going to make as well. So that's kind of what we're all wondering here in Minnesota is what after the season is going to give. You know, who who's not going to be here? Who has to go? You know, how much of the luxury tax is ownership going to be willing to pay? You know, are they going to be willing to pay some luxury tax, none, no luxury tax? Are they going to say, screw it and let's go into the second apron? You know, what are, what are they going to do? We don't know. We don't know the answers to these questions yet. And I think a lot of it is going to be dictated by what happens this season. If they are a, if this group comes out and is a contending team for the Western Conference Finals, like, then there's every reason to try and keep this together for at least another year. Um, and maybe go into the tax or the second apron for at least one year, 
at the you know to attempt to try to maybe make a run the following season if they come out and the chemistry is a mess and you know they can't coexist on the floor together just from a even just from a basketball perspective then yeah then you know maybe a teardown you know begins at the trade deadline who you know who knows right we 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 don't know and that's why i think this season is so pivotal pivotal for the direction of this franchise because there's major question marks that have to happen or that have to be answered at the end of this season. Um, and I don't think they have enough, they don't have enough information yet as to what direction they want to take this team. So we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, I, that's what I've kind of told everybody. I don't think that anybody's mind is made up as to what course of action they're going to be taking at the end of this year. A lot of it is going to be dictated by how well they do this season. Okay, that's important to note because, uh, as we all know, this is a brand new ownership group, and uh, we're on the outside looking in. So it's important we get information from you know Chris and and other reporters around the Wolves because, like you said, Chris, they've kept things close to the vest. It it really hasn't been one way or the other which which way they're they're going to go. So so you're right, right on point with that one. I just wanted to ask you. So when you look at the at the rest of the roster. There are a lot of nice young players, but it just seems the fit wasn't there last year, like you said, because of injuries. And obviously Chris had a lot of balls to juggle. He's dealing with uh, his key players being out. He's dealing with a rotation in flux. Uh, He's also dealing with everything else going on in his life. Who's a young player on the team that's going to step up? Is it is it finally going to be like a Jalen Noel who who uh, finally starts hitting those threes as he did in his rookie year, or do you see a, a more of a Jordan McLaughlin taking a bigger role? Who do you see as as an X factor for the Wolves, Chris? You know, I, I think uh, one of the signings that they made, people around the team seem to be fairly high on, is Shake Milton. Um, you know, they bring him in from, from Philadelphia and I think they have some designs on him being a a potential rotation piece here in the future. Nikhil Alexander Walker came in as a part of the D'Lo trade last year. And really when Jaden McDaniels went out, became their best defender and was starting in the playoffs because of his defense. So I think those are probably the two guys I, I have circled to see kind of what their roles are going to be uh, this season. Um, you know, they could be significant parts of the rotation. They could be out of it by December. You know, who, who knows, right? That's kind of the life of a, of a seven, eight, nine man in the, in the NBA. But I, I do think they envision Shake Milton being a, a good fit for what they're trying to do. And Nikhil Alexander Walker, who's a you know a first round pick who has had some turbulence in his career with situations and a couple different teams and different coaching staffs, and you know he he gets reunited with Chris Finch, who was one of his assistants in New Orleans. They kind of put some structure around him, asking like, "Hey, do these specific things for us. Make sure you just defend your your butt off and you know hit hit open shots when they're there. Maybe handle the ball a little bit for us." And he really thrived uh, towards the end of last season. They bring him back on a two-year deal. Um, so those are those are the two guys I have circled, kind of as the the guys who who might play a, a bigger role than than people might anticipate. 
All right. As we uh, look more into uh, who they brought in, uh, the the Wolves and Lakers essentially swapped role players. The Wolves yeah, brought yeah, in did. Troy Brown Jr. Mm-hmm. and uh, the Lakers uh, managed to get Torian Prince. I just wanted to get your perspective on what you expect Tor- the role Torian Prince to have on the Lakers, Chris, because I think mm-hmm. it'll be a little bit different than that role he was asked to play for the Wolves. But I could be wrong. I just want to get your thoughts. Um, well, first of all, I think Torian Prince is a is a very solid player. Uh, he's a good, respected voice, uh, kind of a leader, somebody who can command the respect of of the room. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think everybody on that team, uh, you, you, especially the guys who were on the Wolves previously, think he's a great teammate, a great a great locker room presence. Um, so I think right away you're getting a guy who's going to fit in very well with with the culture. I think I think he's a good fit with LA. Um, you know, I think he he's a little bit of a streaky shooter. But uh, you know, two years ago he he started really slow for the Wolves, but kind of halfway through the season he really turned it on and was you know I, I think above forty percent even kind of the second half of that year they played Memphis. Um, he, he can defend a decent number of positions. I think you saw him guarding LeBron in the playing game. Um, you know, he's, he's a versatile defender. He's a, he's a good shooter, good locker room presence, like I said. And I think he was a very solid addition for the Lakers. It made a lot of sense uh, for them to bring him in. As for what his specific role is going to be, you could probably speak more to that than I could. I haven't really gone down that rabbit hole of what specifically they're going to ask him to do, but when a guy can just knock down threes at the clip he's he's capable of, and defend, uh, you know, be a be a you know not a great defender but a solid defender, you know that guy's gonna play some minutes, and I, I expect him to play a little bit for you guys. All right, appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I, I think uh, the the whole idea with bringing in Torian Prince, Chris, I think was mm-hmm. to have at least another volume three point shooter in the front court to mm-hmm. uh, pair it with D'Lo in the back court. Uh, I'm I'm with you. I hope it works out. So before we head into your thoughts about the Lakers, ultimately, Chris, where do you think the Wolves slot into the West? Because we know the West <laughs> is just a gauntlet. You could be yeah. in third place in January, and all it takes is a little knickknack injury or two, and you're from third, you're looking up because you're seventh. Uh, everything um, goes yeah. well for the Wolves. Do you think? Do you think they're a top six team again, Chris? Yeah, I think they're capable of being top six. I mean, they were, you know, even with all the injuries and chemistry issues last year, they were two games away from being top six, whatever it was. So uh, top six is definitely possible for them if they can. I mean, listen, a lot of this is based on health, right? Like somebody goes down and and all of a sudden you're staring up at the playing game again. But I think for them, they want to try to be top four you know, get to the four seed host, you know, have home court in that first round. I see them just myself, just kind of spitballing. I see them around five. Like if, if I was to to pick right now where they would finish, I would probably pick fifth. Okay. That's that's probably what, what I'm looking at. Five or six feels about right to me for them. Um, and I think they could be a better, like almost like a better regular season team than some of the teams in the West who are going to have to, like the Lakers, for instance, who are probably going to have to monitor how much LeBron and AD are playing 
in the regular season, which might cost them some regular season games. Maybe the Lakers are better built for the playoffs, you know, once once you get there, but maybe the Wolves are better built for the regular season, if, if that makes sense. No, um, I, yeah. I I think a lot of people feel felt that way last year, Chris. Yeah. Uh, I know I did. Like, uh, you looked at the the trade, you looked at the roster. It was like, well, I mean, even even with a, an injury or two, they could they're probably still going to win like high forties, low fifties. Um, yeah. I I kind of still feel that way, even though, like you said last year, there were kind of uh, bumps in the road. But like you said, that the it looks like the maturity is taking on a new role, especially with the ant. Where do you see the Lakers fitting into the Western Conference, Chris? Because you've had a chance to observe mm-hmm. what uh, every other team in the West has done. Do you, do you still think they're a tier below, say, a, a Denver and a Phoenix? Or do, do you think they're they're with the, the big boys? I think they're with the big boys. I, I, I do. I like what they did in the offseason. I thought they were pretty good last year. They really found their stride in the playoffs. And even though that Denver series was a sweep, it, it you know, I'm sure you guys have talked about this ad nauseum on all the Laker boards. It wasn't a traditional, like, that you're getting blown out every night kind of sweep. It was like, these those games were pretty close. So, I, you know, I think they're, I think Denver is in a tier by itself. You're, you're the champions. They lost, what was it? Uh, I don't know, four games, all, all last playoffs. That's a hell of a run to go through the playoffs only losing four games. So Denver's in a tier by themselves until proven otherwise to me. And I think the Lakers are right there on that next tier. I, I throw, I'm skeptical of what's going to happen in Phoenix. Like I, I, I want to see that. I, I think I'd rather be skeptical and wrong to be skeptical than I am to believe it and have it fall apart because I just, I, I, I wonder how those guys are going to make it through a season altogether and what the depth they have or don't have. Um, but I guess if everybody's healthy, I guess I would say, you know, anytime Kevin Durant and you're able to put Bradley Beal and Devin Booker on the floor with him, if they're healthy, if they're healthy come mid-April, then, you know, I feel like they're right there in the mix. So I'd probably put the Lakers in that, in that second tier. And the Wolves have a chance to punch up into that tier for me, you know, um, if they're able to show something in the regular season. But right now, I think that they're, you know, like I said, they're probably around that five, five, six range until until we really see it. All right. So uh, before we uh, will let you plug uh, plug yourself, sir, uh, just a quick, couple of quick questions from our audience. Uh, one of our uh, chats, uh, Kurt Affair says, Chris, mm-hmm. is Prince more of a four now or you can can you see him still being plugged in at the three? I think he's. I think he's probably more of a three, um, and obviously in Minnesota. I'm trying, I'm trying to think back. I mean, I feel like he. I feel like he played more three than he did four. So he did. Yeah. He yeah. Did. I, I don't. I don't think. I don't know what the lineup configurations are going to look like uh, with the Lakers, but I feel like he's more suited to be a three than a four. Okay. Um, so I would expect. I would just expect that. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, appreciate the time, Chris. Mm-hmm. Before we head on out, please, sir, just uh, let everybody know where they can find your work. StarTribune.com. Just come to our website and subscribe if you really want to read about the Timberwolves all season. We'd appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, that's that's where you can find us. I'm on Twitter, uh, at Christopher Hine. And that's where I do most of my posting about the team, my main social media, uh, if you want to follow me there as well. 
All right. Oh, I've also included uh, your Instagram page as well, Chris. That's more personal. There's not going to okay. be many basketball updates on there. But if you want to see me play piano, you can see me on Instagram playing piano. Oh, Chris, uh, I've seen mm-hmm. it. You're a wonderful piano player. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for, for coming on Lakers Fast Break, Chris. We really appreciate it. And uh, everybody, thank you for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you later. Thank you, Sean. Appreciate it. You're welcome, Chris. Thank you.